0: Father, uh, we do pray that as we uh, now get into your word, that, Lord, you would just speak to our hearts, that, Lord, you would, you would take us and teach us, and, Lord, that we could leave here tonight more in love with you than when we came in. We want to better understand you. We want to better understand us, and, Lord, we want to better understand the world around us. So as, as Paul, again, is just pouring his heart out and, and, and reaching out to that church church, a couple uh, millenniums ago, I pray that it wouldn't just be a story we're reading or history, but God, it would it would just speak to us. And Lord, maybe some of us are struggling in a specific area. Touch that area, Lord. I know by the Holy Spirit that you can reach every one of us right where we're at and, and Lord, you can you can heal whatever's going on in our hearts and Lord you can encourage us in great ways. So we give you this time we thank you for it in Jesus name. Amen. Hey, if you remember when we left off here in chapter 2, Paul is spending a lot of time convincing them and I think convincing us that Jesus is enough. And Jesus is superior to everything and so he's he last time we looked at the whole idea of letting other philosophies creep in and principles of this world and and then he said all of that has been nailed to the cross now tonight he gets very specific and he's gonna talk about three areas legalism mysticism and asceticism and and kind of deal with those things now here's the thing that stuff is still going on today It's just, you know, listen, Satan doesn't have new things. He just repackages the old and and relabels it and kind of pushes it out. You know, a big thing right now in, in the church is this thing called progressive Christianity where people are deconstructing and doing certain things. And if you look at it, it's no more than the liberalism of the, uh, in the church of the 50s and 60s when the church got very liberal about the interpretation of the Bible and what's going on. They just relabel it and, and add a few little tweaks to make it appealing to people. But here's what we need to know. Jesus is enough and we don't need to add to him. We don't need to subtract from him. We just need to fall more in love with him and we need to allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. Obviously Paul cares about holiness, but listen, you cannot get holiness from rules and regulations. This doesn't make a person holy. Makes a person follow rules and regulations. What makes a person holy is the work of the Spirit inside of a person changing them from the inside out so that's what paul's trying to get across and it seems like again we've talked about in colossians there's this movement which would be later evolve into what we know as gnosticism and the gnostics were people who were very mystical and felt like knowledge was the key for everything and they they kind of pushed that way so but Here's the thing, man. They kind of, and especially in this part, they've kind of brought a whole bunch of stuff. I call it like this. They syncretize everything. And they kind of bring all these different thoughts, put it in a blender, and pour it out and go, here, this is what we want. And it doesn't work. So Paul writing to them again, he, he, you know we left off last time where he disarmed the principalities in verse 15, principalities and powers. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them. Jesus did that on the cross, right? He did that when he died. He has victory and we sing about it, but I don't think we often walk in it. Do you know what I'm talking about? We like to like celebrate it and raise our hands and raise our hearts, but in day-to-day walking, we kind of forget. And we let the enemy come and we let him get over us and we let him do things. So listen, Paul says that we have that victory. So, verse 16, isn't it interesting? He talks about having the victory over principalities and powers. And then he says, so let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbath." which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is Christ. Listen to that. Here's what he's saying. He says, don't let somebody come and put these trips on you about certain things. Now, here's an interesting thing. Obviously, obviously there's something about Judaism coming in here that that he's bringing up. But most of us don't wrestle with Judaism coming in trying to rip us off. But we do wrestle with legalism, right? People getting all legalistic and you know, if you, if you do this, if you dress this way, if you look this way, if you eat this food, if you drink this drink, if you do this, then you can't be holy or saved. And Paul's saying, don't let people rip you off. Now here's an interesting thing. I think we get a little bit mixed up. How were people in the Old Testament saved? Don't, don't yell out an answer. They were saved the same way we are saved, by faith, trusting in a Messiah who's to come. They were looking forward to the cross. We look backwards to the cross. They were never, ever saved by keeping the law. Go back and read. This is homework. Go back and read Leviticus and Deuteronomy. Just so I won't make you read Exodus and Numbers let's just go ahead and read them too but especially Leviticus when God lays out the law he never once says this is how to be saved what does he say this will show the world that you're my people and this is how to stay in the land. Even in Deuteronomy 28, when he lists the blessing, the blessing is about the land. Go and just, re- if, if you're not gonna read anything else, just read that one chapter. And the blessing is about the land, and the curses are about not being in the land. It's not about, listen, it's never about salvation, yet we kind of make it a salvation issue. And Paul here is saying, listen, it's not about eating. Do not let people judge you about eating or drinking and ripping you off that way. Don't let them get into your head and do certain things. And that's, you know, again, the legalism. And then he even talks about, listen, and obviously it's Judaism. He says, or regarding a festival or a new moon. Listen, they would celebrate certain things. It's, it's funny. I don't know if you were here a few years ago. I think it's been maybe two years because I forget we skipped a year. So maybe two years ago, we had a Q and A and a person came up and they asked me, what's the most important holiday? And they wanted me to know, they wanted to ask me what's my favorite holiday. And I answered honestly, like Easter's my favorite holiday, resurrection. I love thinking about it, just like elevates everything in my life. And, and so this person goes, well, what about, you know, this feast and Passover and this feast and this feast? And I go, uh, I'm not a Jew. So those things don't mean a lot to me. I understand them, but I'm not Jewish. And that was given to the Jews. And here's the same thing, here's what Paul's saying. Don't let people judge you. And that person was trying to judge me and we finally uh, came to an agreement of he needed to quit talking. because I'm not gonna stand here and have an argument about that, right? I mean, it's kind of a crazy thing. Hey, you do what you want, but listen, it's not about festivals. It's not about new moons. And then here's the biggie, man. Here's the the hard hitter for all the Seventh-day people, whether you're, someone told me there's Seventh-day Baptists. I didn't know that. So you got some Seventh-day Baptists, you got Seventh-day Adventists, you got Seventh-day whatever. So for you Seventh-day people, here you go. He says, don't let them judge you about the food or drink or regarding festivals or new moons or sabbaths huh now i found out today that certain people when they want to promote you keeping the sabbath they go oh well this is sabbath with a little s and it's plural so it's not talking about the sabbath it's talking about all the others i guess i don't know i get confused when people play those kind of games it always cracks me up, and I was reading somebody, and here's the thing: some Christians, some Christians do this. Well, we change the Sabbath from Saturday to Sunday. No, we did not. Don't tell people that. if you're a believer, do not tell somebody that. The Sabbath is still the Sabbath. The Sabbath is Saturday. always been Saturday. It's always going to be Saturday. That's not going to change. And we do not keep the Sabbath. We worship on Sunday and Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. Listen, the whole idea he says in, in, that, that Paul writes that the Sabbath is now, we find our Sabbath in Christ. He's our rest. So hey, Paul says, don't let people rip you off. So when, whenever people come to me, I go, why are you trying to rip me off? I'm enjoying Jesus. Why are you like trying to lay a trip on me? Why are you trying to lay a trip on me, you know? Hey, if I want to eat a big old pork, if I want to eat a pound of bacon that I can't afford right now, but if I want a whole pound of bacon, what's that to you if I want to eat a whole pound of bacon? Like get off my back and I can eat that. Now my wife has an entirely different opinion. And her opinion's not based on spirituality, it's based on longevity, right? (laughs) Like, don't eat that, it's not good for you. So, hey, if you're not eating certain things for your health, that's fine. That's, a, that's an okay thing, but you don't tell everybody else how to do it. Okay, now. <laughs> I couldn't resist, sorry, sorry. That was just like. Can I come to your house tonight? And... <laughs> but listen, here's the point. You can't put things on other people. And even, listen, we'll get to it in a minute more, but if God puts something on your heart, that's between you and the Lord, not between you and somebody else. So if you want to eat a certain way to be healthy and you think that's a good thing, that's fine. But don't count it as a spiritual plus in your life. Don't think it makes you more holy than somebody else because it doesn't. And the same thing, we can go on through all of this, right? Hey, you want to worship on Saturday? That's fine. We worship on Saturday, I love it when people say, well, you know, and I go, we do church on Saturday. And actually, if you look at the thing, we do something almost every night of the week. and, And we should be worshiping all the time. So listen, he says that. And then he says, and here's the important part. Verse 17, those were a shadow of the things to come. Listen, they represented something. I always like this illustration and I'm sure you've heard it before if you've heard somebody teach on this area. You know, it's the whole idea of hey, you can have a picture of a loved one and they're away and you just really like you know, you cherish that picture. You're 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 looking at it daily. You're loving them. But if they come back, you don't grab the picture, right? You grab the person. And that's what this is all about. Listen, that all of that stuff was there to point to Jesus and Jesus is here. Quit hanging out in the shadow. Quit hanging out with the picture and come to him because he's the one. He's the substance. The other is the not substance. It's the shadow. So, so that's what he's saying. So listen, Dan, so that's, that's dealing with some, some legalism. Now we get into the part that I kind of I like go, wow, because I'm from Bisbee. Let no one cheat you, uh, let no one cheat you of your reward and, and taking delight in false humility and worship of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his flesh. So first of all, listen, when he says, let no one cheat you, he's not do you really want to get ripped off? for this relationship that you have, you wanna trade it for something else. So don't let someone come in and begin to act like, and, and here's the thing, I believe he's describing these people that have an air of spirituality, And they kind of come in and they have these experiences that they talk about and they tell you about this experience and that experience and and, you know, it was like, and then when he says they do things that they have not seen. Now a lot of people get mad. The New King James has have not seen. The other Bible, the other Bibles, the other translations have things they have seen Here's what I think the New King James, and I think it's a little bit more accurate. He's talking about these guys have visions. It's not something they saw physically, it's a vision. And God gave me a vision. And I think that's why, that's why the uh, translators decided to say, have not seen. They have these visions, and, and, and they start telling you these things. And I got to be really honest, man. When people start doing that with me, I kind of like go, oh, like I don't have visions. Like, I might not be spiritual because that's not happening in my life. And then you start feeling all down and you start thinking, well, man, they're having that. And then they start getting puffed up. And they start trying to control you with, be careful. Be careful, watch out. We need to be people who we, we have an understanding. Listen, we don't put our faith in feelings or visions or what other people say, we put our faith in the word of God that is declared and does not change and doesn't go away and it's the same, so he says, listen, don't let them cheat you out of your reward and, and, and they have this, they have this, and have you ever noticed they kind of have this humility but at the same time they're puffed up? And you gotta watch those people. I, 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 you know, I think it's some people, I've just had conversations recently with, with people that are like telling me, well, you know what I saw? Here's what happened and that's why I know Jesus is real because this happened to me. And they're like, their eyes are like this and they're, they're like, and I'm going, wow. And then they have, they, they act all humble and then they have this arrogance about, well, you haven't had that. Poor you. Hmm, hmm. Paul says, watch out. So here's what it's telling me. They were there in the first century. They're here in the 21st century. They have this false humility. And then talking about worshiping angels. You know, that's kind of a difficult thing because, you know, it's kind of hard. Where did that come from as Paul's writing? Why did he bring that up? Because people do worship idols and, in a sense, worship angels, and sometimes we can get caught up in the whole spiritual warfare. I, I haven't done a lot of research recently on spiritual warfare and what's being taught and you know, with discernment ministries and different things going on. I, I kind of got burned out on looking at all of that. But you know, there was a time, I don't know how many of you remember uh, Frank Peretti and This Present Darkness, and man, people are getting all caught up in angels. And it's like, it's not about angels, it's about Jesus. And he's saying, watch out, because they begin to do that. And, and I think that's what he's talking about. And then, and then he goes, man, and he says, listen, they're worshiping angels, and they're intruding into those things they've not seen or they have seen. And then vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. When you start looking at it, it's all about how it makes me and what it's about me. Be careful. And then Paul says this, and this is where it gets a little intense. He says and not holding fast to the head. Oh. Oh. You see they're off on these tangents and they kind of they kind of take you down this road but they're not hanging on to Jesus. They're not holding fast to him. In other words, they they talk about Jesus but he's not the end all. He's not the supreme. He's not the Jesus of the Bible. They're just kind of adding him on and they have all these other things that, that multiply and make him kind of a, a, a backseat thing. And now you got these other things for it and they're not holding fast to the head. And then here's what he says. Listen, if you, don't let, if you don't hang on to the head from whom all the body nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments grows with the increase that is from God. How are you gonna grow? You're going to grow by being close to Jesus, by hanging on to Jesus and and holding tight to him. And you're going to blow it by not doing that and going a different way and listening to these other things. If people are not leading you into a deeper, closer relationship with Jesus Christ, you need to run from that. You need to get away from that. I don't care what they're saying. I don't care what they're promoting. It's going to rip you off. And again, both times when he talks about legalism, he says, listen, don't let people judge you. When he talks about mysticism, he says, don't let people cheat you. Have you ever been taken down a road and found out when you got there, there's nothing there? That stinks. You were like all excited, wow, we're gonna go do this. And maybe you guys don't experiment. Like when I first got saved, I would like listen to anybody. And I'd start going, wow, that sounds good. Wow, listen to what they're doing. And then you go down that road and you get to the end and you're going, there's nothing there. And here's the sad thing, because of our flesh, the next person comes along with a story, oh, well maybe this one's it. And the only way you're gonna be safe from that is by getting into the Word. And listen, and hanging out with brothers and sisters. I've told you before, one of, one of the greatest things that, that happened to me, there was a guy who came and I'm telling him about this, this thing I'm chasing. and We won't get into everything. And I, I'll never forget, he goes, well, why don't you just read your Bible and follow Jesus? Oh, really? That's so simple. You poor, simple, simple man. And he was absolutely right. See, so we can tend to think that, right? So listen, Paul's saying, come on, guys. We gotta think about what's going on here. You gotta think about the direction you're going. You gotta think about what, what's happening. Now, in verse 20, so now, listen, we've dealt with legalism. Don't let people judge you. You only have one judge, that's God. Don't let people lay trips on you. Don't let them judge you. Number two, don't let people rip you off with mysticism. And I think that's one of the biggest dangers because it just sounds so good. And and maybe you guys aren't as intrigued as I am, but you know, I get like, woo, that's gonna be awesome. So don't let, them, don't let them rip off your reward. Don't let them rip you off. And then now, listen, now he's gonna talk about the asceticism, which is kind of here and kind of not, depending on on what, you know, what groups you run with, but he says, verse 20, therefore, if you died, or it should say, since you died. Listen, to if there isn't a if it happened, if there is, it did happen, right? So since you died with Christ from the basic principles of this world, going all the way back to verse eight, why as though living in the world do you subject yourselves to its regulations? So listen to what he's saying. You died with Christ. Is that true or not? And I know when I talk to young, you know, when, when we do baptisms and stuff, sometimes I talk to the little guys and, and they're younger and, and I know they, they've made a commitment to Jesus and stuff, but I start talking to them about dying with Jesus and they're, they're like, ah, it didn't happen. Yeah, it did happen. And then their eyes get big Then their parents ask me, please don't talk to our children anymore. Just <laughs> baptize them and let them go to kids' ministry. But, even as adults, do you believe you died with Jesus? Do you believe you died in Christ? Because if you died in Christ, all of the stuff, even, even the, uh, you know, all the way, all, the whole chapter, you know that that stuff has no power over you. Amen. Amen. But we forget. And we kinda get drugged back in, why? Because that old man in us, like just, mm, when we get to heaven, we'll be free. But listen, remember you died, since you died with Christ, quit allowing the world to tug on you. Now listen, he's not talking about, you know, quote, worldly things so much as the principles, as once again, legalism or asceticism, or, where people are saying you can't have this, you can't, well, listen to what he says, don't let the, the, the world Uh, subject you to your subject yourselves to regulations do not touch do not taste do not handle are you kind of getting the idea listen you're not you're not going to get holy by following rules you're only going to be able to follow the rules that does not make you holy listen doing the speed limit all the time doesn't make you holy it just keeps you from having to pay tickets right but it doesn't make a person more holy. Following a set of regulations, that's why, you know, sometimes people will ask us for a statement of faith, and they'll look at some things, and they'll say, well, you, you know, that's pretty, that's pretty simple. Well, part of it is because we have a simple pastor, and, you know, and we're going to keep things simple. But the other part of it is Jesus is the one who changes us, not rules not setting things up. The Holy Spirit is the one who makes us holy. I, I've shared with you guys a lot. When I was into legalism and listening to that, there was one guy that said, how could the Holy Spirit live in you because he's holy and you're not and he's the Holy Spirit. I'll never forget. That still rings in my head, that message. And and here's what I knew. I'm so not holy, so I'm never gonna have the Holy Spirit. And Actually, the truth is, it's the exact opposite of what he was promoting. The Holy Spirit comes in you to make you holy. He's the one who changes you. He's the one who does things. And as your relationship with Jesus grows, your life is going to change. You're not going to do it by rules and regulations. You're not going to do it by don't touch, don't taste, you know, the the whole thing. I don't, you know, I don't do those things. No, no. You're holy because he changes you and he comes inside. And, and, you know, I remember years ago listening to a Christian comedian and, and this, you know, maybe could be taken wrong, but I remember he was, like, he was like doing something and talking about, you know, hey, God is the one who changes us, And then I remember him saying, I smoke all the pot I want. And he kind of going like this. Well, you know, I could say the same thing today. I smoke all the pot I want. I just don't want any, right? He's changing me. I, you know, I wish I could say that about every area of my life and that would be good, but listen, he changes us. It's not rules, it's not regulations, it's not putting those things down and we need to understand that. Now listen, in getting into asceticism, verse 22, which all concern things which perish with the using. So you use those things, here's the thing, you use something, it slowly decays and goes away, right? Do you know that everything we have is slowly decaying and, and rotting and, you know, and, and that's kind of a bummer if you just bought something brand new and for me to tell you, yeah, well, it's gonna rot. Sorry, but it is, you know. And and so, listen, man, he's saying all of those things go away with using according to the commandments and doctrines of men. So here's the thing. Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, which concern things that are perishing or, and things that are going away. But those things are according to the commandments and doctrines of men. If somebody has to tell you how you need to live as a Christian, that's a doctrine of man. If somebody tells you you need to get closer to Jesus and have a relationship with Him, that's coming from the Bible. We don't make things up. We don't do things. You know, I don't know how many of you have been involved in churches that have a list of things, right, and here's what you do as a church, and here's what you don't do, and if you're part of this church, here's how you have to act, and, and, and here's how you have to dress, and, and different things, you know, and, and, and it kind of comes across that way, and you don't touch this thing, you don't taste that thing, you don't get close to this, you get away from that, you know, I know in the, in the 80s, there was the big move, uh, the, if you had a TV, you were a sinner, And so everybody, here's the thing, everybody secretly was watching TV. (laughs) And no one talked about it. Well, I can't talk about it because if somebody knows I have a TV, then I'm a sinner. Hey, maybe TV's really bad for you. Then don't have it. But don't tell me I can't have it. And maybe, and we could just keep going, right? Maybe donuts are real sin for you. Then don't go to (laughs) Dunkin'. Right? Don't just do that. If you have trouble with something, why would you do that? Stay away from that, right? And so we need to understand that. And he says, listen, those are doctrines of men. Don't let people put those things on you. If God convicts you, that's fine. You walk in that conviction where the Holy Spirit is working in you. But don't put that conviction on everybody else. I've shared with you guys many times, I remember when God convicted me personally about alcohol because he knew where he was taking me. And I got convicted and I told some friends, I'm not gonna drink anymore, I'm not gonna even touch it, I'm not gonna get close to it. And they got all mad at me. They go, you can't tell us what to do. I said, I didn't tell you what to do. I told you what I'm going to do. And I don't tell people what to do. You know, and sometimes people will come and ask me, you know, what do I need to do? And I tell them I'm having a hard enough time doing my Christian walk. I don't want to try and do your Christian walk for you. You let the Holy Spirit work in you. And that changes us and, and, and does things in us. So listen, he says, he says that in verse 22. And he says, these things indeed have an appearance of wisdom and self-imposed religion. Now I wanna talk about this for a moment because here's the thing, some people act like if you go around and make sure you don't have anything too nice and you make sure you don't get new clothes, make sure your clothes are a little ratty, don't drive anything very nice, don't live in a very nice house, that makes you spiritual. That doesn't make you spiritual. And we get this, you know, this false idea. If I give all of this stuff up, and this is where asceticism really comes from, and the monastic movement, if I give up all these fleshly things, that makes me spiritual. No, you can be a sinner and have nothing. It's not the things, it's the heart. There was a guy, Simeon, I can't remember his last name, Simeon, started with an S, This guy lived on a pole for 30 years. On a pole. And guess what he was doing on top of that pole? Sinning. He thought he was removed from the world, but listen, it's still in his heart. And we have to understand you cannot do those things and you can't, you know, quote, unbuy your way into heaven, because some people think you can't buy your way into heaven, guess what? You can't unbuy your way into heaven either. You know, you can give up everything you have. Doesn't Paul say that in 1 Corinthians? I can give everything I have to the poor, yet I'm just a sounding gong and, a, and, and a, a, a brash cymbal. We need to understand that. Don't judge somebody by what they have and don't judge somebody by what they don't have. That's between them and the Lord. And I think it's important that we do that. Now, can you get carried away? yeah. But again, that's between you and Jesus. It's not my business. Now if you come and ask me, I might tell you, you need to give all that stuff to me. I'm sorry, to the church. But be careful because all of a sudden people have this kind of pious attitude. Do you know some of the richest people in the world are in the Bible? Abraham, that was one wealthy dude. I think he would make Jeff Bezos and Musk look like little penny pinchers. That guy had, that guy had his own army. Can you read your Bible, his own army. That's pretty intense. Most countries don't have armies. Solomon, we read about him a lot. David did well. Job, he did really well, twice. So listen, man, we can't do that stuff, but on the other hand, don't flaunt what you have either. Don't act like that, you know, here's what, You know, and that's the whole health and wealth thing. Well, you know, God's gonna make you rich. Well, God didn't die to make you rich. I hate to tell you that. He died for your sins, and so, Paul says, be careful. And again, in this asceticism, so he says, these things, indeed, they have an appearance of wisdom and self-imposed religion, and that's what people do. And this false humility, do you know this is the second time he brought up this false humility? Huh? It seems to kind of run. And nothing bothers me more than when people, you know, you might pay them a compliment or something, say something, and they go, oh, no, 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 don't do that. If you have a talent or a gift that God's given you and you're using it and somebody says, hey, good job, here's what you need to say, thank you. Thank you. That's Jesus working through me, but thank you. Thank you for saying that, that's nice. Don't do this, oh, oh, I'm so humble keep talking, I'm so humble, <laughs> say little more. keep talking. You know, we, we kind of do those things. It's a false humility and these people come across because here's the thing, people I know that are into this whole idea of you need to give everything up and they're acting all humble about it, here's what I found, they're judging me like crazy because of what I have. People have come up to me years ago. I remember a young guy came up to me that was into this, you know, I'm this. And he came up to me, and I think we had bought a new truck, Gainel and I. And he came up, and he goes, must be nice. You know what I said? It is. It's really nice. Because I worked hard for this. And I earned it. And, you know, then I won't tell you the rest of what I told him. It's okay, but they always have this, this... False humility, and they're judging you by what you have. Don't judge people by that, and don't judge people by what they don't have. Now, listen, don't go around saying, Oh, you're kind of ratty looking. You must be one of those judgmental people that you know you're doing that thing. Maybe they're just ratty looking. You well, know, some people are just that way, right? So be careful. So, listen, he says this, and he's saying, He's saying they have this false humility and neglect of the body but these are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. Listen carefully. You can have all of that going on, and your flesh is still your flesh. He's not talking about our flesh and blood. He's talking about that worldly desire that we have. And you can put on all of those appearances, and, you know, poor people can covet just like rich people can covet. Anybody can covet, it doesn't matter where you're at in the, you know, in the society things, and we need to understand that. We need to be people who we know that. So here's what Paul's saying, be careful. Be careful of these three things that are going on in the first century and are going on in the 21st century. Number one, beware of legalism, the people who come and, and, and you know they're hardcore people. And, and listen, sometimes they look spiritual, right? And we get all excited about them, but they're not. And then you have the mystics who are not as hard, but they're like, oh, if you only had the visions I had. And then you have the people who are into asceticism, and if you don't live this way, then you are not holy. Be careful, watch out for them. And Jeremiah, Chapter 2, Jeremiah says this. I kind of like this. Jeremiah says this. And this is God speaking to his people. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water. So think about that. You're going away from Jesus, who's everything. And then here's what he says. And they have hewn themselves cisterns, broken cisterns, that can hold no water. So you go away from the reality of what is going to fix your life and change your life and make you whole and you go over to this other thing that's empty and worthless and you're like adoring it. Stop doing that. And whether again, whether it's legalism or whether it's uh, whether you're, you're into the legalism or you're into asceticism or mysticism, all of those are going to pull you down. We need to be people who were aware of those things and we're watching out for those things. An old dead guy said this: A man might whip him, whip and fast himself into a walking skeleton, and yet. The spirit within him might have all its lusts unconquered, for all he had lost was only the ability to gratify them. Ah. You see, you may not be able to gratify those things because you've whipped yourself and starved yourself and done those things, and yet it's still there. You're just not gratifying it. So be careful. And, you know, a word on fasting, as I read that, a word on fasting, fasting should be a very private thing between you and the Lord, number one. I think it should always be private. And then I like to remind us, fasting is not to get God to do something. That's called a hunger strike. You don't fast to make God move. You fast to change you and for you to get closer to God and for him to work in you. Again, you can read in Isaiah Uh, somewhere around, well, let's say between chapter 10 and chapter 60. (laughs) And you can find it in there because, listen, man, we need to understand those things. And again, isn't it sad when people make you feel bad because you're not doing something? They can make you feel bad because you're not keeping the rules. They make you feel bad because you're not seeing visions. And having those things, they can make you feel bad because you have things. Watch out. Watch out. Only God knows your heart. And that's between you and him. But on the reverse, all three of those things don't make you holier. The only thing that makes you holy is a dynamic relationship with God. And keeping that strong. Let's stand up and pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. And, and Lord, just this challenge we have. And, and Lord, I know some of us, we, we look at these things and some of us these things have really trapped us and caught us and, and put us in a place where, where Lord, we're drawn in. Because it sounds so good. And it's like Jeremiah, we're gonna dig that cistern and it's gonna be cracked and it's gonna run out of water and it's not gonna have anything for us whether it's legalism or mysticism or asceticism, all of those things can, can work to destroy us. And so, Lord, I pray that we'd be people who we're on guard and we're paying attention. We're not allowing those things to rip us off, but we would know that Christ is all we need. We don't need to add to Jesus. We don't need to subtract from Jesus. And we need to let him draw us into the places that he wants to take us. So I pray you would open up our eyes, God, to see what you see and to take our hearts and, and, Lord, mold them and shape them the way you want to mold them and shape them. And, God, I know as we look at these things and we say some of these things, it can, it can push some people to that edge of, well, then I'll just go do whatever I want. And then they've got a whole nother issue they have to deal with. Jesus, have your way in our lives. Be glorified in us. And make us men and women, God, who walk with you closely. And I'm gonna ask you to stay in an attitude of prayer for another couple moments, and maybe you're here tonight, and and you're struggling with some of this stuff, even that we read about. And maybe you're a person who you've used rules and regulations so far and you felt like that was the thing that made you holy and and tonight you're realizing something. You're realizing that you need more of Jesus and less of you. You're realizing tonight that you've never asked him to come into your heart and to change you. If I'm talking to you, right now is the time to do that. Paul plainly declared that Jesus is the one who came and he died on the cross for our sins. So that means, first of all, we gotta come to the place where we admit we're a sinner. Every single person in here can admit that because the Bible says we've all sinned. And then you have to be sorry for your sin and you have to ask God to forgive you of your sin. And if you do that, the Bible declares you'll be born again. And when you're born again, listen, the Spirit comes in and indwells and begins to change you. And that whole uh, idea of Him working in you, and, and He begins to work in a way that you never even dreamed possible. And He begins to deliver you from the things of the world that have a grip on your heart. So if you want that to be a reality for you, and again, maybe you've pretended and played at this thing called Christianity, and here tonight, God is calling you into the reality, then you know what? Say this prayer with me. You can say it out loud, or you can say it silently, but the big thing is, you gotta mean it sincerely. Jesus, tonight I confess to you that I am a sinner. I'm sorry that I sinned against you. And right now, I'm asking you to forgive my sin. Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you tonight for your forgiveness. And right now, I want you to come into my heart and change me. I want you to come into my life and guide me. I'm asking you tonight to be my Lord and my Savior.